Good morning. I brought these up just in case I need them, but I'm going to put them over here. <laughs> well, good morning, Christ Center. Uh, it's awesome for, to be able to be here with you all this morning, whether you're here in person. Uh, thank you for making time, or you are online uh, joining us virtually. Uh, it's such a blessing to see the people of God gather together as a family, uh, to sing worship to God, to share prayers with each other, to pray for people who are struggling, uh, to, to just be a witness to each other. We're not alone uh, in this walk through life, uh, so we're just blessed to be able to be here. My name is Steve, and I have had the privilege to share a few times up here, uh, being able to teach a little bit, which I love to do, and I'm always grateful for it. And recently, Pastor Steve sent me a text message saying, hey, would you maybe be available on July 2nd? Uh, we're starting a series. It's all about, like, practical advice on how to make it through life suffering. Uh, not, I mean, it's a good thing, not exactly like kind of the talks I do, but I had this idea. That sounds like the kind of message I should get my wife involved in. Uh, so I decided to ask my wife, hey, why don't we do this together? <laughs> Hi, I'm Tara, and I knew as soon as I saw that text message from Pastor Steve to my Steve that he was going to ask me to be a part of this, and so that's how come I'm up here. Today, I also knew my answer was going to be yes, because I believe our stories are important, and I believe God can do redeeming work in and through them, and he does. So today, we get to help kick off a new series called... Um, life ring about personal strategies for keeping your head above water when things are turbulent all around you. This message in particular is called Until You Can Touch Again. We plan to share some of our own story and then three practical strategies you can use when life just feels unbearable and the waves are crashing in all around you. Yeah, so waves crashing in, uh, I found a picture that I wanted to share with you. When I looked at the Life uh, Ring series, the idea of water, I thought of, wow, river rafting, like we're uh, definitely spend time out on the rivers and uh, doing stuff. And so there's a, a picture we had set about uh, people in a life in a, in a whitewater raft on a trip. There it is. And that kind of represents Tara and I's life, our family's life, about uh, three years ago. We just, I think, rolled past a three-year anniversary. So before we moved here, um, Tara and I and our family, we lived in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, we were there for 11 years. Uh, it was the, the town that or at least our older kids would say was home for them. Uh, we had a couple of kids when we were there and a dog. Uh, that he probably doesn't think of that as home. Any couch he can sleep on is home for him. But um, that was home. Uh, we were there because I was a pastor at a church. We'd responded to a call to do ministry. Uh, we were serving. And like this whole river thing, there were definitely times where over the, the 11 years where we were there where we felt, you know, the, the current is picking up. <laughs> Things are getting a little bit, uh, a little bit faster. Sometimes things are getting a little bit uh, bumpier. There were times where you'd feel a little bit more of the jostle. You might even get splashed occasionally. It was honestly, it was kind of fun. There were times where it was boring. It was like flat water. You're like, eh, this is boring. Let's do something exciting. But that all began to change about four years ago, um, and that's when we noticed that things were getting a lot harder. Uh, there was a lot of challenges, both just within the church. Um, with professionally uh, with, with the church and just trying to, 
to be faithful and lead and serve. Um, there was some personal, spiritual, relational, just kind of, it just felt like stuff was starting to fall apart. I remember we were at Cannon Beach one summer and I grabbed a handful of sand and was just watching it like slip through my hand. You know, it's just kind of fun. You see sand, it like falls through. And, and all of a sudden it was like, I feel like that's my life right now. <laughs> I feel like everything's starting to slide through my hands and I can't hold on to it anymore. And in this picture, I love the guy kind of at the back, the guide, like he is not going to let go of the boat. And that's kind of what I felt like for like about two years. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on to the stinking boat uh, no matter what, even though maybe one of the wisest things and hardest things we did was eventually just say, we need to let go uh, because I don't want this to land on top of us. Uh, and maybe that's a word for you this morning. Maybe you're in a place where you're holding on and you just need to let go and trust that even in the, even in the river, even when things are raging around you, um, God hasn't forgot you. So we had, within the matter of about three years, we saw one of our kids um, kind of came to light that they were having some serious problems and struggles in their lives, which, of course, as parents, uh, you expect your kids to be imperfect. Uh, you expect yourself to be perfect. And so when you see anything not working, you're like, uh-oh, what did we do wrong? What happened there? Why couldn't we fix this? Um, but there's, there's hard, and then there's like, this is really, like, painful hard. Uh, to deal with. So we, we saw that happening professionally. Um, I was a pastor, now I'm not a pastor. Uh, that was a blow to do. Um, just dreams dying, yeah, uh, dreams going away. And, you know, Tara will share a little bit about her story with just relational hurt. Um, but we were definitely in the place where we felt like we really didn't know what we should be doing. We didn't have the power to really do anything to fix it. We just had to just kind of let go and trust that God was going to be in the midst of all the rapids and turmoil and stuff in our lives. It reminded me of a story uh, from the Old Testament, from Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, about a king named Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was one of the few good kings uh, in Judah. And the story in Second Chronicles 20, so here's the deal. Like Jehoshaphat is a good king. He's got God's blessing. He wants to walk in God's ways. He's trying to be faithful. And he wakes up one morning in Jerusalem, gets out of his bed, thinks everything is great. And before he knows it, somebody shows up and says, hey, O king, uh, you've got a problem. There's an army coming against you and another army and another army. In fact, three armies have joined forces against you. And Jehoshaphat's like, uh-oh, I wasn't planning on raising an army, but I guess we'll have to figure it out. Or maybe we'll go to the northern kingdom, we'll make some allies. Um, and then he goes, well, not only do you have three armies coming against you right now, they're in En Gedi. They've already crossed the Dead Sea. They're about uh, 80 kilometers away, about from Kashmir to Quincy. You don't have time to do anything else. And the one thing Jehoshaphat does is what I guess you probably do when you're in these places of, of turbulence and turmoil and your feet are swept out from underneath you. He calls the people together and they pray. And he prays, and he prays this prayer. He says, oh, God... Will you judge them? Because we don't have the power to stop this, to fight this army. We're powerless. And not only are we powerless, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not going to give up. Right? We're clueless. We're powerless but we're not hopeless. And that story just kind of stood out to me as like, this kind of is where we're at. We don't know 
how to fix this stuff. We don't know what's going to happen next, but we do know that God will somehow show himself faithful. So until you can touch again, lean into prayer. And there should be a picture of a tree. (laughs) I love how Steve has Jehoshaphat praying, and I felt like God was asking me to share this picture of a dead tree. And the reason is one day I was out for a walk, and I just was walking by Oregon State University, where I often walked because we lived in Corvallis, and I looked over and saw this tree, and its needles were falling off, it was hanging limp, it was dying, and in my heart I was like, God, that is exactly how I'm feeling right now. I feel like I'm dying on the inside and the outside. I feel like I'm losing hope. I need your help because this situation is um, dire. And so I just called out to him in that moment, and I feel like from then on, he began in my heart this work of restoring. And a lot of dreams had died. A lot of things I had hoped for had not come to fruition. And um, I knew that there was a healing work that God needed to do in my heart, and that only the great physician could do that work. So I leaned heavily into prayer. And the first, there's three parts to this prayer, personal prayer, prayer with a partner, and prayer of others. I'm going to start with personal prayer. I've always had a journal, and during this time in my life, I leaned into it even heavier. Um, And so, like, say I'm in Psalms, hopefully my marker is still there. Uh, My first entry that in my last journal is Psalm 18. Um, 16, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. And I felt at this time in my life like I was in deep waters and I really needed that rescuing. So in my journal, I would write the verse that God really laid on my heart and then um, a lament. And that would be like telling God all the things that he already knows, but that I need to tell him. So God, this is so hard. Like we're experiencing this death of a dream and like my husband and my kids and all the different things. And so I would pray about all of that. And then he impressed on my heart to remember to be thankful. So to, to put all of those petitions down and then with thanksgiving. So then I'd find something to be thankful for. Like, thank you for my husband. Thank you for whatever. Um, air conditioning. So in this way, um, I really felt like with the prayer, with the petition, with the thanksgiving, with the scripture, that God began this healing work in my life. And in this journal, I can see, looking back, all the different stages of grief. I can see how he brought me from, like, hating life and many things about life to a place of restoration in him where he's growing me and removing that bitterness from my heart because I didn't want to grow old with bitterness. I knew if I just swept hurtful things under the carpet and didn't deal with them, then I could come back in 10 years and those things would still be there. So I knew that he had to do that work in my heart. So that was my personal prayer. Um, As things got really hard, well, Steve and I have always Is that true? Always prayed together at night. 99% of the time we pray together. When we first got married, they were super long prayers. But during this particular time... I think they're having a hard time believing I would say super long prayers. He prayed for a really long time. I'd have to, like, nudge him and... (laughs) We need to sleep. But um, 
during this time, we had very few words. The harder life got, the more turbulent life got, the shorter our prayers got. We were like Jehoshaphat, like, help. We do not have a clue. And we literally say that, and that would be it. Um, Praying with a partner could also be a friend. It could be what Christ Center is doing, how they have the prayer corner, um, calling anybody to pray with you. We just happen to pray, help us, God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we need when we ask him for help. And so I believe that he is interceding for us when we ask for help in ways that we don't even know. And um, we are seeing the answers to some of those so prayer alone, prayer with a partner, and the prayer of others. We knew moving from Corvallis to Kashmir would be incredibly hard, and so we invited some friends to pray with us and for us during that time. We needed a place to live. We needed um, God to provide friends for our kids. We needed all the things, and I see some of those sweet friends here. I'm just so thankful. I know that God is answering those prayers even now. And so if you are going through a hard time, if someone you know is going through a hard time, my encouragement is when you can't maybe even pray for yourself, reach out and find a group of people who can pray for you and carry you through that time. And that leads us into our next point, which is looking to other people. Yeah, so when you're in the that deep water that's churning and bubbling and... Uh, you don't really know what to do. Lean into prayer. Another strategy we, in some ways, just kind of looked back on and realized we did it, maybe not even totally intentionally, was looking to people around us. So when we began uh, the process of leaving the church and getting ready to move, we found, I think the word that came to my mind was focus around relationships and people. And focus included both a, uh, a contraction of friends like there was a whole bunch of people in Corvallis that we didn't necessarily like we don't want to see you right I mean we love these people it was more like we need to keep our focus tight on ourselves and in our family because we don't have the relational strength to really do much else right now uh, so we kind of concentrated contracted our relational uh, connections down to we need to care for ourselves we need to care for our family few good friends uh, around us. But we also found that we needed to expand our help because when we realized how clueless we were and how powerless we were and how big the rapids were, we realized we, we really needed some help. And so in terms of the people that we added on, um, we ended up, I ended up, uh, well, both of us, we both ended up going to counselors uh, for a season. And uh, that was immensely helpful. I'd gone through... The four years, four to three years was kind of the, this is all where it's going to come to a close. year before that was just exhausting. There were so many uh, just kind of hard things that never seemed to work out right, uh, that it was just incredibly discouraging. And so when I ended up going to counseling, it was incredibly helpful for me to sit down with somebody and realize how much I thought I was responsible for solving everybody else's problems and how that can devastate you when you're dealing with people with a lot of problems. Um, or you're a parent. And you're like, what's going on? What did I do wrong? Where did I screw up um, that, that something like this might be happening? Uh, so um, I was in counseling. Tara was going to counseling. Uh, we ended up with a counselor for one of our kids. We, uh, 
when we knew we were going to move, Tara and I went to a different counselor together. We actually were doing pretty well considering the amount of stress that was put on top of us. Uh, this was also COVID, by the way. As soon as COVID hit, it was like our last Sunday at the church, and we're going to be moving to another state and all this stuff. So we're like, we want to be sure we're doing okay. So we went to a counselor. We moved here. Uh, we continued our, one of our kids continued with their counselor. We actually, uh, because of where things got, we actually got to interact with our son's counselor, which does not happen very often. Um, and then um, we also had a parent coach. <laughs> and we're like, we're clueless, help us. Uh, so we, I mean, we recruited a group of people that could give eyes to see the stuff we couldn't. And it is so important to do that. Uh, so maybe, you know, if you're in that time, you feel like I'm in the rapids and I'm out of the boat and I don't really know what to do, I would so strongly encourage you to talk to somebody. Talk to uh, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steph, uh, talk to somebody, find a counselor. If, if They will be more than happy to let you know whether they can really help you or not, right? And, but you've got to find people to help you. Um, so that was, that was part of the, the bringing in friends, or, or in this case, counselors. We also um, relied a lot on friends and family. Um, and then also, what we kind of saw is as we were having kind of that contraction of kind of more friends by the time we moved here we also began to see God adding uh, friends and that was one of the ways right you know when our feet couldn't touch we knew sooner or later they're going to be able to again and what we saw was God's faithfulness in providing friends to help us and care for us uh, people who we didn't even know uh, when we got here we knew some people they were great then we met some of their friends and then we would find ourselves talking at night should we go to that thing like I kind of want to just sit around and pout and have a pity party. And we're like, no, we should go. And, you know, we need to go laugh and play. And it was good. It was good to go out and do that. We, um, we ended up in a, moving from a home that had room for our kids to a rental that was really small um, for us. And we had a big family. But I don't care because we met Dan and Kim Knoyer, and they are amazing people. Um, and that was not only a provision of a roof, but a, a provision of loving, caring people um, who pray for us when we were going through hard times. So... Uh, God added, when we kind of had to contract, God added new, and he added you guys now, right? I mean, we have a church that we love and people here that we uh, share life together with. So, it, you know, it's an amazing blessing. Um, so if you're in that tough place, you're floating around, you're keeping your head above water, you can't touch, lean into prayer, look to people. The last one is actually still kind of connected to people. It's listen to praise. Uh, some of the people who helped Tara and I the most during that kind of turbulent season are people we'll probably never ever meet uh, because they're songwriters. Uh, they wrote songs that we ended up listening to over and over and over and over and over again. Again, yes. So I really feel like praise kept my heart afloat during this time. Um, like Steve said, we will never meet these people, but he, um, I actually, I could read my Bible and I could journal, but I had a really hard time turning on praise music during this time. I don't know why. I play piano, so I, I would often play and sing, but that was really hard for me. But Steve would play music in our house every morning, and I would be getting ready, and I would hear that, and that would keep my heart afloat. So um, that would give me a new song, a, a new track to play in my head full of God's truth and scripture. And... Um, it was really helpful. So when I would listen to songs like Garment of Praise, I would remember, like, I need to put on the Garment of Praise when I'm in a difficult time because that is what God wants. That's what brings him glory. Raise a hallelujah. Like, I have a distinct picture in my mind of, like, 
me sitting in the middle of a house with all the walls crumbling down, and that is when I raise a hallelujah, when I'm in the middle of that storm. And it's, of course, before and it's, of course, after, but in the middle of it, it's really, really important. And um, so it was really powerful, and that brought me hope. So I wanted to give a big thanks to Kendra and Eric and the worship team because uh, every song we sang this morning were songs that Tara and I requested. Uh, and they were songs that if you were to look at our most played list uh, during the last three years, every one of these would be on the most played list uh, because they were just like life to us. It was, you know, Tara would, would read and journal. Um, my experience at that time, I didn't want to read my Bible. I think uh, looking back on it now, I was a little bit resentful and, and angry and like, God, why do I want to read about these things? Because I feel like I've been doing that for 11 years and look what happened. So um, I turned on the music because I knew um, something's got to fight through this darkness <laughs> that's around me. Uh, and every one of the songs we sang, I could tell you stories about. I'm sure Tara could. Um, when I was driving from Corvallis to Salem, where there was a counselor that I was seeing, I would go up to Monmouth and then over to Salem as the back way. I'd stay off of I-5 because it's a lot prettier, and I didn't have a job, so I had all the time in the world. So I'd just take the long way to get there and... Um, I would listen to who you say I am over and over again uh, because I knew who I said I was. Uh, and that was one of the reasons I needed to go see a counselor. Uh, but it's also one of the reasons God wanted me to listen to this song. Um, who, did, who would I say I am? Uh, I'm the guy who's not a pastor anymore. I'm the guy who uh, family is, is broken and hurting. I'm the guy who, you know, what kind of a dad are you? What kind of a pastor were you? Like all of these lies that you know, like, oh, that's not true. It's not, but you hear it so many times you begin to believe it. Uh, and so I just, I would listen to the song, say, well, who's God say I am? Who's God say I am? And then I'd meet with the counselor, and they'd be like, is any of that what you're saying about yourself true? <laughs> like, no, but I keep hearing it. I want it to go away. Um, but the music would help. Uh, there was a song, the, um, you could do it again, right? Kind of like Jericho. I thought by now these walls would fall. Like, we've been marching around this. We've been marching around this thing for so long. I thought this would be done by now. A song of endurance. Also a song of hope. It can kind of be coupled with Maybe like a, an American expectation that God is going to fix everything quickly, um, practically, tangibly, and you're going to end up like with Job. He lost everything, but you know what? At the end, he got everything and more. Uh, and so I would sit outside Star Ranch and was a cherry inspector for a summer, and I would listen to that song, and I'd be like, yeah, God's going to do something. God's going to do something. Maybe this is it. And you get like a little whisper that, oh, maybe there's a church that might. No, that's not it. Maybe, maybe we're going to do, no, that's not it, right? So you keep having this hope that it's going to happen quickly. Like somehow, you know, you, Jesus is going to come riding in on a velociraptor with a flamethrower and just like light up whatever your problem is and destroy it. And it's like, well, that's not it. That's not what happened. It's an endurance race. It's a floating. Uh, the things I thought might be the answer to our problems were never the ones God gave us. Uh, but that song was awesome. It was super encouraging to me. Um, but the one that really stood out the most is one we'll be singing here at the end. Um, it's called How Firm a Foundation. Uh, it's just an old church hymn. And the reason I love it so much, uh, I would sing this song. I'd drop our kids off. They went to a school, um, Franklin School. I'd drop them off. The church we went to and served at our church was um, maybe like a mile away. And so I'd drop them off, and I'd just walk on nice days. And I would listen to the song over and over and over and over and over again. And um, the more I listened to it, the more I began to realize that while I didn't really want to read my Bible per se, 
uh, it didn't stop God from finding a way to speak to me. Uh, and the way he spoke to me was through that song. Uh, and in thinking about it and meditating on it, it became like literally God is speaking to me through this song because everything in that song not only comes from Scripture, it's all based on verses. Um, I'll show you some of them in a second. But uh, it's not only based on verses, but there's a very significant perspective shift that happens. Uh, in a lot of the songs we sing, which is, is wonderful, it's about me, I, say something to God. I say something to you, you say something to me, right? It, it's kind of us talking uh, in that first person. I realized as we was, I was listening and singing along with how firm a foundation, the first stanza, uh, the first verse is somebody talking to, to me. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Someone's telling me that God's word has this foundation. That's great, thank you. And then the next three or four, depending on which version, it's all God talking to you. There's an I and there's a V or a you, uh, but it's God talking to you. Uh, God speaking to me. I didn't want to be in the word, but God didn't mind that. He said, I'll get my word into you anyway. I'm going to talk to you through this, this song. So let me show you some of the verses that um, come out of this. Isaiah 41, uh, 10. Do not, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Romans eight thirty five to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those words from God were spoken to me by God through this hymn. Uh, so lean into prayer, <laughs> look to people, um, choose wisely the music you listen to. We had distracting music that we listened to too. We were knee deep in the water somewhere waiting for the sun to go down. Uh, but the most important thing is to get the, the, the rootedness, the centeredness you need because you're just kind of floundering around. Sometimes it's just a wait. It's just got to wait. Keep going. What are we going to do? I don't know, but we're going to keep going. Uh, where are we going to live? I don't know, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> you know. Uh, so um, one of the realities in life is that there's going to be times of turmoil um, and hardship. Some of them, the ones we think, yeah, that's going to happen. Life's not perfect. Some of them are far more severe uh, than that. And um, no matter how much you think you're ready, it, it doesn't decrease the effect those have on you. Um, 
they still hit and they still hurt uh, and they still leave a mark that may never ever go away. Uh, it just becomes part of your story. Like the risen Christ has scars in his hands. It's part of his story. Uh, but it was redeemed. And so I knew, you know, with how firm a foundation that um, I think we always knew who we are, our relationship with God is completely fixed. It is firm. There's nothing that's going to move that. Even if everything else in our life is shifting and falling apart and uncertain, that never changes. And the beauty of that is that it never changes because it doesn't rest on us. Um, Our relationship with God is absolutely secured uh, by the work of Christ. And it is not secured by our situations, by our performance, by our um, sinfulness, by our obedience. It's not uh, fixed certain by our effort. It is fixed certain because of the completed work of Christ. And so knowing that, like, it means when you go through those super hard times, it's never an act of God's judgment. It can't be. Theologically, it is impossible. Uh, It may be a consequence for decisions, but it is not an act of God's judgment. And the reason why, as a last verse I want to share with you, especially as we move into a time of communion, in John 19.30, when he had received uh, the drinks and vinegar, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Right there. It is finished. Not about to be finished, not nearly finished, not almost finished, not I started it, but you got to finish it. It's done. We're at peace with God. The wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God, it's been exhausted on Christ. We're in Christ. So that relationship with God can't be shaken. And we as, as a church, we have certain, oh, rocks we can fix our feet to, <laughs> even when things, maybe especially when things are hard. Uh, we have baptism, right? There's a baptism service coming up the church. I'd love for you to consider doing that. August, was it 22nd, I think, 13th? Uh, it's in August. Uh, river baptism. Um, you're identifying with Christ's death and resurrection. I died with Christ. I'm raised with Christ. I want to live with Christ. I've been washed clean. I'm a new person. Uh, that declaration, we could look back and say, you know what? I was baptized. I'm following Jesus. I just happen to be following Jesus through a whole bunch of white water that feels like it might drown me. But I'm still following Jesus down this river, right? Um, communion is the other one. The constant reminder, monthly reminder. This is not really ultimately about us and what we do. This is about Jesus and what he has already done for us. And nothing is more firm and sure than that. So... Um, we have, you have, I believe, uh, received the elements of communion. Uh, there's two little pieces to it. There's a little wafer of, uh, of bread and a little cup of juice. If you didn't get those uh, and you are someone who has put your faith in Christ, you're welcome to share in this. It's kind of a family remembrance. Uh, and it's something that Jesus told us to do. Um, each one of the pieces is symbolic. It's significant for us. The, uh, yeah. The bread represents Jesus' body. All right, Jesus' body was broken um, pretty badly. Uh, like our lives are broken, like our world is broken, but it needs to be re- renewed and remade. And so this breaking of the bread, this breaking of Jesus' body, uh, is a reminder 
that Jesus' body was broken so our bodies can be mended, so that this world will one day be mended, so that the, the pain and the suffering and the hardship and the rapids in life will be smoothed, right? This is our grounding. It's in Christ. It's in what he did for us. So when we take this together, we take and we remember Jesus' body that was broken for us. The other element that we have before is a little bit of juice. On the night that Jesus was with his disciples, the night when he was betrayed, uh, they had this meal. He broke bread and he gave thanks for it. He also raised up a glass full of wine, a deep red burgundy wine, and he said, this wine is going to symbolize my blood. My blood is going to be shed for you. Uh, there are all kinds of connections with God's story of redemption there. The shedding of blood is needed for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, the consequence of sin is death. Somebody has to defeat death. Jesus' blood is poured out. He dies, so we live. Um, it's also a beginning of a new covenant that God was going to start. A covenant is an f- official relationship between people. The closest thing we think of in our modern world is marriage. Uh, we're making a, a commitment that doesn't rest on the other person. It rests on our commitment to it. And Jesus was letting him know, I'm going to make a new covenant that you can be a part of. It's a covenant that's based in my blood. It's based in my life. And it's something you can enter into by faith. And when you enter into that, you enter enter it forever. It's now yours. Um, This relationship with God, no matter how close you feel to being sucked under the water, you are surely in God's care and love. And it's because of what Jesus did. So let's take and drink together and remember Jesus' blood poured out for us. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that we can come to you um, knowing in our story, we can see the way you've shown that you are good, you are faithful. Um, we thank you for the people you brought around us who help keep our head above water. We thank you for the work you've done in, in our lives through prayer, through praise. And I pray that somehow in the midst of all that's happening here, Jesus, you would now be meeting with your people. Uh, Whatever we may have shared, whatever we may have said, whatever strategies we may present, they pale in in, in significance before a word you could speak to a person's heart right now. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. God will see you through this. You can hold on. You are for us, you're not against us. You have provided all we need for peace with God. You're our friend. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people and those who may feel that they are watching their boat capsize. (laughs) They would know that you are the God whose spirit hovers over deep waters. God who draws people out of deep waters. You're a God who can speak a word and the storms will still. And you're a God who can sleep in a boat when we're freaking out. And I don't know how long that stretch of rapids may be. I pray that they would know they're never outside of your care and your love. 
and your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.